Press the button, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Welcome to another episode of Snacks Packs. This episode is brought to you by the Foundation to get fucking Goose to play scary games with me. Because he's I being a little baby. Really. Dude, the forest isn't even that scary. It's exactly... Project Zomboid already spooks it, me it, But it's like, it's like jump scares where you're, after the first time you're like, nah, okay, jump whatever. Jump scares are the worst. No, they're fine. Just play the forest with me. You will love it. It's got building. It's got weapons. It's got traps. It's it, got everything you would be weapons? interested in. What kind of weapons? Uh, it depends on which one you play. You play the first one, it's like bow and arrows, fucking axes, shit like that. The second one is like shotguns, pistols, rifles, stuff like that. Um, okay guns that's cool it's got, got guns, guns and it's got you just chopping bodies up dude it's awesome and killing cannibals mm. it's fucking sick i guess it, i you know i i have been thinking i should probably play a game that's worth this fucking laptop yeah right <laughs> i keep playing dude, yeah i'm like man i can play the piss out of project yeah because it's like thing. it's takes nothing not to run. You can run nothing. that shit on a fucking potato, bro. Also, second sponsor is this episode is brought to you by the foundation for you fucking weirdos to stop trying to get my nudes leaked on Reddit. That was weird. Oh, that's so, so cool, weird. dude. Yeah. Very exciting. Very I was like, what? No way. That's awesome. Fucking great news. Does it mean dude, I made it? I've you gotta it? be careful. One time, craziest shit of my life. Uh, on 4chan, on the B page, Ooh. which is like have you ever been there? Yeah, of course. I I hate that I I like whenever I go to 4chan, which is probably too much already. I always check B. I'm like, and now I'm just like, okay, it's just like the same six porn threads. Yeah, got yeah, it, you know. Yeah. But I one time I checked B, huge thread that was going on every time I was refreshing, and it was a seven eight five nude thread. No shit, Lawrence. And I was like, no way. And I was like, like like kansas and i was looking through it and i saw people i knew damn i was like oh my god that's, yeah that's terrifying i actually had to tell one of them and it was like this whole thing for this woman because apparently her, her ex had been doing that dude what a bitch. all the time bro i was you, like that's aw- if oh my, you share like, someone oh else's god, nudes you deserve to get your fucking ass kicked like if you share someone else's dude, one time, nude photos you one deserve time to get your I dick saw, kicked in i got spooked from this and this is the closest comparison I have. <laughs> I saw someone post my gun on 4chan. And I was like, what? That's weird. What the fuck? And I was like checking with people. I was like, did you post this picture? And they were like, no. I was like, oh my god. And they were just like, check out my cool gun. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got cool guns. I have cool guns, dude. Pretend to have my gun. But it was also like, damn, that's nuts. I don't remember uh, ever uploading. That. Yeah, that's crazy. That is bananas, dude. Fucking, I don't know, man. I've I've seen like the. I took all my guns off of Reddit. I don't I don't post them. That's on fair. The that's probably a good idea. I've seen. Yeah, there's, I, there's I got a, too spooked. The internet's too crazy, dude. It is like, and with the whole like threads of oh, it's even like area code nudes. I've seen like whole potential 4chan style websites just dedicated to that. And I've seen yeah, people I, mean, I know. Someone archived that thread, I'm yeah, sure. Dude, yeah. And like I've seen people I know, and I've had to like hit them up and be like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but someone has posted yeah. pictures you sent so them. Awkward. It's, it's awkward. It's like you feel like a dick because you're like, 
I don't want you to think Ooh, that I, I saw. I'm, yeah, I see. <laughs> 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 I mean, I saw. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't want you to think that I'm there doing that, but like, I figured someone should tell you because that's not cool. That's not tight. It takes a really grimy fucking person to be like, oh, this person sent me those fo- these photos in confidence, and now I'm going to post them for everyone. It's like, I had a photo, sorry, I had a, a video show up on my For You page of this girl who she was like, basically told her husband, like, Hey, I want a divorce. And he became real uh, belligerent, obviously. She left. She comes back to the house, and he had destroyed their brand new, like, built home, smashed everything, punched holes in the wall. Like, threw all her. Yeah. Showed her. Yeah. For real, right? It's like, and threw all her clothes and, like, pissed on him and everything. She got divorced. Yeah. No shit. That's what I'm saying. I was like, you're just proving the point that you're a fucking psychotic piece of shit. Like, I never understood that. Like, if someone... I've had plenty of breakups in my day, and I'm just like, yeah, all right. Like, it's cool. Like, I may... At times, maybe I didn't want to break up with that person, but I'm like, I'm not going to be like, fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. Like, it happens, dog. That's life, baby. Fucking get over it, you dumbass. Dude, that's crazy shit out there. Some people are so... I think think kind of it makes a lot of sense to just post on your own volition a bunch of nasty ratchet shit like raunchy whatever and and that way you know whatever leaks you're like ah you know yeah i mean i'm the same way and i'm pretty sure with my case someone on if you i didn't explain it but i got a message from a friend last night that was like hey i followed this subreddit that is strictly for you know you know people who are lgbt to post their only fans or whatever blah 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 she was like, he was like, uh, somebody posted a picture of you and asked if anyone had anything on you. And he was like, I reported it and talked to the moderators or whatever and got it taken down, but just looking out for you. And I was like, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, which is like, he's like, you don't have any, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> right. it, if someone was like, oh, I'm going to leak your news, I'm like, I'll leak them myself. I don't give a fuck. Like, hey, hold on. Someone's yeah. going to do this. Yeah. Here they are, yeah. Here you go. Look at them. There they are. How far into the other two are you right now? Not that far. Uh, I, I haven't, I haven't watched like relevant. I have relevant to what we're talking. About. Yeah. I haven't watched like any TV except for the righteous gemstones, like the past couple days. It's I've just good. Been, yeah, it is. It's righteous really good. Gemstones is so it's been good. really, yeah, really good. I was um, like, what a solid fucking season. Yeah, and it's so funny to me because uh, one of the Montgomery brothers, the cousins, not the one with, not the short one, the big fucking guy. Uh, Huge. He, he's got to be a power lifter, He's a right? strong man named Matt yeah. Best. Yeah, he, that's yeah. how I know him. because I've, 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 Dude, I, I saw his shoulders. like That's That a dude's a power lifter. Yeah, that is <laughs> a strong man. Yeah, he, uh, he I, when I was doing power lifting, I would follow him and like... Uh, uh no th- i'm sorry i'm totally wrong uh Dude, before i was like it's so ridiculous that he got out of that one situation where everybody was running at him and he was just like it seemed like he was pushing him away i was like okay because all i could see was that he was tall no he's but then later he had a tank top on and i was like oh he was he could have thrown those men yeah yeah i i don't know why i said his fucking name was matt best it's not matt best he's a matt best is like a prior army ranger that dude the dude that i'm in the righteous gym zone oh. is robert oberst he's a fucking strong man who when i was doing powerlifting i followed him really closely he's a huge guy he's really cool too from what i got from the internet and watching his videos but Good dude, Robert O'Burst. Oh, check I've, him out. I've seen he's got he sells t shirts. Eat a bunch of peanut butter, probably. Or yeah. I swear, I've seen something that he's done. Yeah, before. he sells t shirts that say "strong and pretty." 
Um, I don't know why the Dude, fuck yes. I got Matt Best from that. I don't. It'd be so fun to just fucking eat, eat as, yeah, as for like, real. like it's your job. Like, like it's your. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could. I struggle eating regularly. I'm like one meal a yeah. day. Got it. I would love to just be like to know that. Oh, I have to do this. I would change everything for me. Yeah, like to be big, you know, because I don't really give a shit otherwise. I just, you know, I just work out and eat. A normal amount. It sucks sure. that, like, strongman sports is, like, you have to win the genetic lottery to make any kind of, like... Like, there are yeah. shorter I'm never gonna, man. like, make myself strong yeah. as the mountain. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, you have to... Uh, oh. Hold on. <laughs> you have to, like... There are short strongmen out there, but they're not, like, world's strongest men. Like, the world's strongest men are, like, Brian Shaw in the mountain, uh, who are, like, Thor Bjornsson, who are, like, 6'9". And yeah. fucking just doing yes. dummy lifts, or I think even Eddie Hall, uh, he is he's six three, so he's like kind of on the shorter side of being a strongman, and he he I think he still holds the rec- world record from uh world's lar- uh, or heaviest deadlift. Um, apparently, oh, I just couldn't imagine what it would be like to live in a body like that. No, me either, dude. I can't imagine it. I all. feel like I'd be like breaking doors on accident, like crushing things in my hand. Like, oh, I'm dude, sorry. Yeah, you I can't know touch your to... back, like because you're oh. so big. It sounds awful. Yeah. His deadlift was apparently. Yeah, I bet it's the worst being that dude, strong. For real, yeah, yeah. I would dude, never, never want to be, be that, that strong. Yeah. What a what a loser! Yeah, right? what a nerd. Uh, I think his highest deadlift was eleven hundred and two pounds. Um, and he looks like a big ball of just like muscle when he did that. He was like, they said it was like the him lifting. He like pounds. went temporarily blind and shit and fucking like was bleeding out of his nose and everything, and it, his doctor said it was, like, the equivalent to being in a car wreck. Um, just the stress it put on his body. I was like, bro, fuck that. I just don't have... I don't have that in me. I'm sorry. I don't. I, like, I, I, no. I, I'm a lazy fuck. I can't do it. I, uh, I just don't. It's crazy shit. You gotta be different. You just yeah, gotta be you different. have to be different, yeah. Like, I felt the same way when I, like, joined the army and was like... Was like... Uh, Oh yeah, I'd love to go to Ranger School or Special Forces. And then I met those dudes, and I was like, "That's not me. I don't have that. I like. I wish I did. I wish I was that much of a bad motherfucker, but I don't have it. I just that's a different breed of human. Uh, I'm just a goofy little yeah. guy. Like I'm a goofy, I'm a goofy little guy. goober, dude. Like I, I like to read books. Yeah. I don't like it when it's raining. Yeah. I don't go outside too much when it rains. I can't. That's, that's fine. Yeah, I can't be a goofy little guy and like be in Special Forces. Uh, those dudes turn into goofy oh. little guys when they get out, but like they got to spend so much of their life just hard all the time. And it's just you know, it's just not sounds fun miserable. Yeah, sounds not, yeah. sounds miserable. <laughs> I want it to be. I want things to be fun, and those aren't. Dude, all the there time, there are know? times where I think back to like like sometimes when I'm on the road and I can't go home and I kind of don't want to be in the city I'm in. I'm just like I've got the downs. Uh, well, maybe not the best. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, i'm feeling i'm feeling a little down and i'll think back to like it'll revert me back to when i was in the military and like in the field and i'm just like i can't go home i'm just stuck here like i can't yeah can't do anything about it just gotta fucking suck it up and i remember like wet and cold yeah yep i have to Uh and i remember being in those like situations in the military and just being like whenever i get out i'm never putting myself like in this situation again like there were times where we would go (laughs) out We'd go out like to the hunting. field and we'd be fu- yeah, it's like hunting. We'd be out in the field and fucking 
we would have to run ops all night. I remember specifically one night it was like storming and I was fucking tired. I've been up for like 36 hours and I just like all the trucks were full because everybody was sleeping in them. So I just like grabbed my body armor and like threw it on the ground in the mud and just laid on it and fell asleep. I was like, this, I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to bed. I don't give a shit anymore. Fuck it. Yeah, it was not fun. Not fun. I couldn't fucking. I couldn't. The rain was like dude, the rain was so bad that day that it like washed away boxes of RMREs. Um, it's <laughs> fucking crazy. So I just it was pouring rain. It was like muddy and shit. And I just like I was like I'm done and slept on my mags. Um, didn't give a fuck. And sometimes I I don't think I've ever reached that point of not giving a fuck since then. Like I've never no. I've never been to that level, and I don't think I ever will no. be because I have free will now. I can just be like give I fuck always like. I think hunting is like a valuable skill, and I think it could be a little fun in certain situations. Like, depends on which thing we're hunting, but like pretty much universally, they're like, "Yeah, you got to get up at four in the morning, and it's thirty degrees, no. and you have to sit there for three hours." I'm like, no. "Damn, really? Yeah, that sounds awful, like, dude. You don't have anything that we could find in like a half hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you pencil a deer in to come around here at this time? Like, I don't want to fucking spend all this time. Like, when I learned that you just sit and wait for a deer to show up, I'm like, "Damn, like I don't, that what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? if it's not survival, I just don't have it in me." I'm I'm like, I can just leave, bro. I don't give a fuck. I want to hunt something like, uh, I don't really want to, yeah, maybe like rabbits or groundhogs where you're just like, there they are. Yeah, you know bam. what I mean? Pop. Yeah, have, done. I've had this like big game hunting expedition idea in my head for a long time so that if I ever get uber Terrible. rich, I, well, hold on, fucking let me explain it. You'll think differently. Uh, if I ever get uber rich, this is what I'm going to do. So I think you are a giant fucking gaping pussy if you hunt with, if you like shoot a giraffe in the face with a high powered rifle. You're a little bitch. Every single one of you, Got you're it. fucking pussies. Uh, what was the, what, like the, who was that picture with the owner of Jimmy John's doing big game hunting or whatever? Um, I mean, plus, I'm pretty sure one of the, a bunch of the Trump family have done yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. Cause they get their fucking rocks off dude killing animals that can I mean, definitely the kill thing them. is a lot of the like a lot of the african you know broad continent because that's where most of the safari stuff yeah. is. safari systems are very tightly regulated yeah and they are a they are the people the ones that they can shoot are usually chosen and they offer like by doing that you know they're culling the thing they get like like in elephants that are really aggressive and they'll pre- prevent other uh, elephants from breeding, you know, they're just like being dickheads. And yeah. Like, All right. You can shoot that one. <laughs> and they raise and they can charge whatever they want. So they make a fortune for the yeah. state doing that stuff. If the only problem I have with it is if you think you're cool. Yeah. Like, well, you're, you're not still, cool. You're still a fucking nerd, dude. Like you just shot a fucking yeah. dumb animal. You shot an like, animal in the you. you shot an elephant in the face, bro. Like dude, shit with a high power rifle. Like, that what a greet. I would I don't know. I just feel such great grief at the idea yeah. of shooting such an intelligent and, and Me old too. creature. Yeah. Even Same. if I know even if I know it's for the greater good of all the other yeah. elephants yeah. or whatever, I'm like, damn, that sucked. That hurt, you know? And they're like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm cool yeah. as shit, dude. My my, so my plan is that I'm going to start my own big game hunting sanctuary. We're going to have all kinds of animals. It's going to be great. Now, when you show up, you're not allowed to bring high-powered weapons. At the door, you sign a waiver that says you understand the risks you're taking when you get in here, and I hand you a fucking canteen of water and a buck knife, and I'm like, go get it. Have you at it. Hunt whatever if, you yeah, want. if you can kill one of these animals with this knife, 
you can call yourself cool, I guess. I, I know. Mean, yeah. Sure. Yeah. By all means. Yeah. But, but you standing at like 200 meters shooting a fucking elephant in the face. No, not happening. Like you shooting a bear. Not cool. Not cool. You jumping on a bear with a spear. Yeah. Okay. Pretty fucking cool. I'm going to be honest. Like, with you. okay. You sure deserve you that. Surprised the bear. I don't think, I think you're still within your range. Yeah. You don't have to like I mean, box the bear. Yeah. You know? No, you're not. If you were the size of a bear, I'd be like, face that bitch head on. Don't be a pussy. <laughs> yeah. but, but we're not. So yeah. if you get the element yeah. of surprise, that's okay. I'll respect that. If but Robert O'Burst was going to fight a black bear. I'd yeah. Like, you don't get a weapon. Yeah. You don't get no. a, Yeah. What are you talking about? Your hands are the weapon. Like you could probably yeah. bench press that fucking. We'll, we will fucking, we'll duct tape the steak knives to your hand. That's yeah. The most that, that's all you're saying. getting. Or like a boxing glove with a fork attached to it or something dude <laughs> <laughs> i just saw this video of a dude in a bull ring and the, pissing off the bull <sighs> and it charges him and he grabs it by the head and wrestles it to the ground Damn. and i was like Hard. all right Hard. awesome <laughs> fair Hard. you know the animal knew what it was doing yeah it, you didn't trick it you know You're yeah just, i guess straight up took it to the ground it. yeah i respect <laughs> that but like like fucking bull if you have a sword you're a loser yeah or like a spear that you're throwing like sticking in its bag get out of here dude i hope that thing fucking gorges the shit out of you that's one of my favorite compilation of videos is just like matadors getting absolutely decimated by uh bulls it's great dude, that's oh yeah. man and like the running of the bulls that shit's so gruesome oh, yeah Those brutal. Are such awful wounds we i can know see. Ah, nah, I don't absolutely like brutal it. dude super I brutal don't like to think about it um, uh, were we going to talk any more about the Righteous Gemstones? I was going to ask you that. Uh, I mean, if the thing is, it's not like a great mystery. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not written like Barry. Yeah, it's not like Barry, where you're like, oh, what's going to happen next? Like, I kind of know what's going to happen next. Like, I kind of know what's going to yeah, happen next. Yeah. It's just fun, you know. There isn't as much to talk about. I just, I really like the season. Do you think that uh, Adam? I always forget his name. The Mamp, I uh, think. Yeah, Divine. he is like in love with Keith, or are they really just good bros? So I was thinking that I I never had that in my head until this last episode. I was yes. like, I was like, there's like some gayness happening here. There's some gay tension going on. I hate on. to say that, yeah, because I'm like, maybe Adams is being so positive they and could, nice. Yeah, they could be really he good could bros, just but be like really good buds. It's but pretty I don't gay. Know. It's it feels they do buy a lot of gay sex yeah. toys together, and it feels very gay coded that like these like Adams like, oh, I'm fucking for the Lord, blah 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 blah, and then it's like, oh, now I have a uh, gay interest which is not for the lord um you know yeah not i know the I, I do and i thought about that too yeah i i don't know i really like keith's character me too so i, I love keith's character more depth. Yeah. yeah um i feel like everybody's kind of got a thing going on that they're that he kind of like he's got his buying up all the porn stores stuff thing but like like judy's got the affair happening and then uh, dude i was i was very bummed about the judy affair i i was like you can't cheat on bj he's so nice he's like the nicest I'm, guy ever how he is. dare you he is the nicest man ever he him he and his little really earring. is uh, he's so, <laughs> <laughs> he's so like confident in himself you know and you're like can't even make fun of yeah, him no. like, yeah you're wearing a romp him, yeah but you're, whatever. A, you're a little nerd but that's fine dude you fucking you rock it he's you having a good. great time. having a great yeah. time yeah i i thought it was interesting that she you know 
she did cheat on him, and that's terrible. But like, as soon as she got back, she's like, "It's done. It's over. Yeah, fuck, fuck off. off. Fuck off. Yeah. He does seem to like care about BJ. I don't think it's. Just, I like, think nothing there. I, my it's th- terrible thing. She did. yeah. I think Judy is just used to getting anything she wants. Yeah. So when she's on tour and she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna fuck someone," she's like, "I'm gonna get that because I've gotten whatever I want my entire life. Why would I like? There's yeah. no there's no moral bounds of reason of being like this is wrong. It's her being like, I just was getting what I wanted, and that's it. And I'm gonna I'm done. Um, Where so, have I seen that guy that she was banging? I have no clue. He does not look familiar to me. You've never at seen all. him before. Uh-uh. How do I? Uh, what's the? Okay, this one. Also, I mean, and they've got uh, Baby Billy back on the show. I was so relieved. Yeah, I was like, I was kind of like, where the fuck is Baby Billy? I was missing yeah. Baby Billy. Um. I really love him and his wife too. I think they also like actually love each other. Yeah, me and, like, too. He's, he's they like, seem he's, to really enjoy each other's company. He's kind know? of a piece of shit, but he's like, all right, like you are. He you, always you seems suck. to care about his kid and yeah, her at uh, least, you know. In the like, only way that he knows how, which is like being yes. kind of a dirtbag, but yeah, uh, he's such a dirt <laughs> yeah. dirtbag. I was surprised because in the second episode, I didn't see. I remember who that guy is. Who is it? That's the guy. That's uh, Abby's. Because you've seen Broad City, right? Yeah, yeah. That's Abby's neighbor that she hooks up with. That oh, she pegs. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, who that yeah. is. Okay, that makes sense. Reagan, you hear that? Uh, that's uh, Abby's boyfriend, the one that she pegs in Broad City. That's the trainer from, or that Judy's cheating on with righteous gemstones. Jeremy Santos is his name. Yeah, in Broad Jeremy. City. What? Yeah. 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 Is that oh the God. same guy? Damn, he looks I think so. He looks he hell. So different. Yeah. Uh Steven Schneider is his name. <clears throat> I think. Or unless that's the name of his character. Or Jeremy Santos see. might be his actual name. I'm just dumb. Yeah, that's him. Yes, thank God. I was like, I didn't confirm it, and I was like, no, I just remembered it, but I'm like, wait, I'll be embarrassed if I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's on there. That's real. That's Damn, him. okay, that's crazy. I did not, I, I haven't seen Broad City in so long, which is such a good show. Such a fucking Oh, I just rewatched it. It show. super holds up. Yeah, I need to awesome. rewatch it. There's new episodes of Beavis and Butthead out that I need to watch, too, because they're fucking funny. They're so funny. Uh, maybe I'll watch that. Reagan, Reagan Dude, has to go to Betty by earlier to me, so now I get to have a show that Reagan won't watch. I so I was real. I, pick- I we've talked about it, but I was real like not crazy about a Beavis and Butthead reboot because I was just like they're gonna make the dumb fucking like there's gonna be a bunch of stupid millennial jokes how every reboot TV show is now and it's gonna be dumb. But I have more Velma. faith in Mike Judge. Yeah, like Velma. I have more faith in Mike Judge than I have in most people making a reboot of their show. Uh, I mean, he is yeah. a genius. He's really he really has is. a pulse on, like, what is funny and, like, how yeah. to portray, like, because the whole trope of, like, two fucking idiots just doing whatever has kind of passed. Like, you know, we had fucking Tommy Boy, which is, you know. I feel like Workaholics kind of ended that yeah, whole I agree. genre. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. We, everybody were, just got tired. Dude, I thought Workaholics was really funny. No one ever talks about it anymore. I thought it was it hilarious. It didn't seem to have a lot of, like, lasting impact, you know? I do know that a lot of work, there's a lot of Workaholics uh what's the word i'm looking for clips that are becoming trending on tiktok like the the one where adam divine is like oh i thought i was gonna die and yeah, and they're, like, yeah they're like holding him and that was a big trend on tiktok <laughs> for a while so favorite. yeah <laughs> um but i i feel like workaholics when it was happening was, was huge was huge it was like it, it was like, rick and morty 
it was like, so big that like my my fucking i remember one time i was watching it on the downstairs tv and my cop like stepdad came down and was like sat down and watched it with me and i was like i don't know how this is gonna go and i was like and i was after the episode and i was like all right i'm going upstairs and i just gave him the remote and he watched an entire season of it and i was like oh, all right fucking okay, okay cool. <laughs> his favorite show is reno 911 so it's like um, okay, I mean, yeah, when, he's at least tuned in when, for when, it. When when I, he would come home after work and I'd be, like, using the downstairs TV to play, like, Guitar Hero or something, I had all I had all these, like, defense mechanisms for him not to get mad at me for using the downstairs TV, so uh, if I was playing Guitar Hero, I would play Freebird as he's walking in because he likes that <laughs> song, and then if I was watching TV downstairs, I would put on Reno 911 because he likes that show, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you gotta find a middle ground. Yeah, gotta find a good, healthy easy. middle yeah. ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, that's pretty fucking good. Mine was always like that. My dad and I would watch a few shows together. They were always kind of old. You, you ever watch uh, the Red Green Show, dude? That was is a Canadian show that was airing like I think in the late nineties, early two thousands. And I, I bet you seen I probably a have two or two on. of it. The Red Green but Show. It's like kind of a variety show it's kind of hard god it's hard to describe it's like themed after a lodge of like a masonic lodge kind of thing but i've in seen Canada. i've seen excerpts of it but i've never seen the show like, it's all I've about like and, you know one of the running jokes is they use duct tape all the time and he's got these he has a bunch of clips where they like make a silly invention but they like kind of work like he made a like a you know he made canoes out of um I think they were like oil barrels and then he made a car a four-wheel car by putting two cars two front wheel drives together and then like <laughs> having a, a pulley system to turn what both wheels at the same time <laughs> like just goofy shit yeah yeah it, it's it's i don't know it's it is a funny show i bet if i watched it now Nah, I think I'd still think it's hilarious. Yeah, that, like, I don't know. the I early, the early nineties. Kind of like, I, I really can't describe what it's that like. era. That era of TV was all about just like absurdness and goofiness. It's so cozy. There, I don't yeah, know. Is it there, just nostalgia? I, I think it might shit. be nostalgia. There was an old VHS tape. Um, old. Uh, let me try to find. It what looked. It's it was good because it looked shitty. You know, those are the old days. You can't. There, you can't. Uh, so there was. That. There was an old show, or like I don't, I can't even remember what it was. It was like uh, my grandpa had it at his house, and it was like a golf video. It was a VHS video. It was golf. I know what and you're talking it was, about. Yeah, it was like it was like kind of like goofy as fuck, and just like <clears throat> excuse me, super funny. But I don't remember what it was called. But I used to watch the shit out of that because I thought it was hilarious. Damn, is it like a compilation? I don't. That's the thing. I don't remember if it was a compilation. I'm looking at images right now, and I see something for um, Tim Conway as Dorf Dorf on golf. I think that might be it because the very tiny man that they have. I remember there being a short guy in it, so that might be in it. That might be it. But Dorf on golf. It's like it is like huh. a. It's like a a, a fleeting memory that Jesus, i have watching look it. at this dude it's, that is it no that is it i remember yeah. watching this yeah i i remember my dad having some vhs's that were like they were compilations of like funny sports yeah. clips and i think it is so crazy that he owned something like that so I'm like, what dude, i was these i was like doing these? uh 
I was doing an Instagram live yesterday and we were going through my books that I have in my room. And I was like, yeah, because I just got a new book from my favorite artist, Maxime Tacardi. And uh, I was showing everybody the collection of books I have from him. And I found a book from like what I got for Christmas when I was like 12 called I Can Has Cheeseburger. And it's just pictures of fucking memes of cats. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I was like, holy a printed shit, out picture, a printed out of picture memes. of memes. Yeah, dude. I was like, oh my These god, memes of a carbon footprint. Yeah, <laughs> unnecessary. Fucking insane, insane. Um, but yeah, maybe it is just nostalgia. I remember, like, um, I remember, like, my grandpa had a ton of just like VHS tapes that we would watch. And it makes sense that he had Dwarf One Golf because he was a big golf guy. Like, we had a, he had a, a TV at the house that he eventually passed away in. It was like we had a downstairs living room that had a big, one of those old big screen tube TVs. And then we had an upstairs living room that had a regular TV. And then the kitchen had a small tube TV. And he would have golf playing on all three of them just so he could watch it throughout the house. Um, Jesus. Yeah, Christ. he was a golf guy. He was he was into golf. Um, Dude, what? Yeah. How does golf do it that good? I don't know. No idea. Not How a fucking golf? clue. I don't know. I have no clue. It's just and you're like I can't miss a second. I'm yeah, like, I can't golf? miss of oh golf, God. really? Like is it that interesting? I was, like you can't miss what? Him swinging? Yeah, or you can't miss the ball, the ball flying through the air? You know, um, that's all a golf. I don't understand. I wish I wish he was still alive. You hear so the I could, yeah, so I could ask him and be like, "What is it about golf that like you find super interesting?" Because um, I just can't see it. I can never. It's like I've never thought about that. In yeah, my life. <laughs> I just like it. It scratches my reptile brain, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, all right, cool. Like an egg. Yeah, by all means, my guy. Um, Who's going first this week? I think you are. I'm pretty sure I went first last time. Oh yeah. Yeah, I uh, I gotta admit our numbers are down right now. Yeah. A little down. Yeah, right. Everybody's slow. What's going on? It's June. It's the summer. It's summertime, baby. People probably listen to podcasts less in the summer. I don't fucking know. I've never done a podcast. I'm just gonna before, go ahead so. and say that so that I so you uh, feel, feel better? better. That's fine. You you're like you That's are the, you are the only one out of us two that pays attention to our numbers. I'm just like I, I, only, I'm I the only one who pays attention to a lot of stuff. Yeah, I don't okay? give a shit. I just throw things out into the ether, and if you're just vomiting that, on dude, the internet, yeah, vomiting fucking. You need to know how you're doing. Well, yeah. I mean, as far as the podcast goes, I don't really take that into a lot of consideration because that's why I have you. You'll tell me if you're, you're like, well, I don't even prompt even. you. You're just like, oh, numbers are down. And I'm like, all right. And then you're like, numbers are good. And I'm like, hell let's, yeah, dude. Let's be better at it. Let's be better at, at um, podcasting now that we know the numbers are down. We got to podcast harder. How do we podcast harder? I'm already podcasting this, as, hard as, podcast as hard as I can. Podcast harder. <laughs> I'm already podcasting as hard as I can. I don't know how to go harder. Uh, besides, we have a new tab on our uh our pod bean which is monetization oh yeah. really Are does we that, that mean cool? we made it or did they just add that, i don't know you they know? might have just added that i need to i need to let me see real quick snacks packs podcast podcast uh and then do you turn your webcam off did you disconnect what's happening yeah for, for oh, you're good you're good um snacks packs podcast uh apple is our fucking picture still? 
What do you want from me, Apple? What I don't know, the fuck dude. do you they, want from they're me? They're not interested. I in don't our, get in it. Our input. I they're cannot. I, I cannot find. I, I have like the login for you know Apple for podcasters. I can't find a tab to upload a photo. Podbean's like, oh, it has to be this dimensions to be on Apple. Excuse me. I made it that fucking like their minimum specifications, and it still has I, not changed. Yeah, but I don't like that yeah, one now. I'm, so. I'm gonna, gonna have cooler colors, dude. I guess I'm gonna have to like. That's one of the reasons I feel like we don't get a lot of listens on Apple is because like it sucks. The logo's cool. I love that logo, but like if I'm looking for a podcast, I'm gonna look at that and be like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, why and, won't what could possibly be doing this? I don't I, know. Like, why? Why would they fight us? I on it? I might try to like re-upload the image so different yeah it looks it just doesn't give off the vibe that we have you know what i'm saying um i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to upload another version of the logo in different dimensions and see if that helps i don't know i don't fucking know because it didn't upload when i put up the baphomet picture or anything like that so um I don't know. I just uh, have no idea. Don't know what to do. Don't know what the fuck they want from me. Don't we're going to have to go in there and arm wrestle someone. Yeah, that's what, what I'm gonna saying. Gonna I'm going to have do. to fucking dig up Steve Jobs and be like, talk to his ghost and be like, hey, man, can you help a brother out with this? Um, I'll hold the seance and everything. Oh, any yeah, come on. Anything. Literally anything. Um, I mean, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't know why that is. I at have, least our ratings are good on there, though. Yeah, that's true. I, I see that. Five out of yeah. five. Thanks, guys. Whatever fucking boner on uh, <laughs> on Spotify. I don't. I can't see our ratings on Spotify for some reason. Gave us uh, less than five stars. So now it's four point nine. I'm like, you son of you a bitch. Son you of a son of a bitch. We can never get it back yeah, now. Never get it back, dude. It's all right. I don't understand. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. There's got to be. There's got to be at least one. Um, I feel like every time I try to do something involving technology, or I, this is how I felt a, a long time. You do. You have kind of a curse. Every time I try to do something involving technology, something goes, something has to go you, wrong. Yeah, you I have, have to. Have a yeah, real curse. Something has to go wrong. Um, like getting multiple content violations for literally kind of just doing nothing. Um, and it sucks and it's fucking annoying. Like, why can, like the video I showed you before we started recording, why can this person, uh, post a video of them just like hanging around with a fucking butt plug in and then I get in trouble for saying the word bomb? Wait, uh, they had a butt plug in? Yeah. I didn't understand that. That's what that oh was. Yeah. yeah. They were like, yeah, swinging around that tail. Um, so I was just like, "What the fuck, bro? Like this is oh this my is God. This is the content that doesn't get banned, but I get banned for fucking using a Fox News audio excerpt. I hate it here. I hate That's, it. Yeah, I'm being. I, I know. I am a victim. I'm being victimized by the internet. Another white man being and, yeah. held down by uh, yeah. big internet. By big internet. This has got to stop. We've got to bring this to their attention. Uh, this wouldn't happen if. I guess Donald Trump was in charge yeah, of the Yeah, something like that. I don't really get it. Somebody get Mitch McConnell on the phone right now. I've got to make He doesn't know about the internet. That's he true. Know that man, anything. yeah, doesn't know dick. Uh, also, about the Elon Musk. Do we already talk about Elon Musk and the possible... We haven't. Fight? We uh, haven't. Oh, God. I don't understand. Listen, oh. if you think that Elon Musk is going to beat 
fucking lizard boy Zuckerberg in a fight. I feel like you're wrong. I feel like Zuckerberg. I'm like, dude, your your fucking constant worship of Elon Musk is weird. So far that you can't deny. You can, you're denying like your eyeballs, yeah. my guy. You're denying your own reality. Like I, I look, will look at him. I will go and say that like sometimes looks can be deceiving. Like big country, who was the like the heavyweight world champion of the UFC, does not look he, like he can fight, but he can take a damn good punch. As and soon as he tweeted about his fight experience, I was like, okay, yeah. you get your ass beat. I'm positive now. You think that you getting your ass beat with your pockets <laughs> full of emeralds in fourth yeah. grade is your fight? It's experience? your fight experience. You think you had yeah. a no rule street fight Dude, in get fourth out of here. grade. Shut get the, the fuck, fuck out of here, up. dude. The Zuck actually throwing more hands at rap concerts dude right <laughs> the zuck actually fucking trains and is like apparently pretty good at jujitsu he's got the jits in him it's so, so it's like no yeah he's yeah. been doing like tournaments and like yeah. apparently make he like even tries to make his entry in it like pretty low-key like so people imagine you're like getting ready to jujitsu and you're like my god is fucking that zuckerberg? zuckerberg yeah you're, you're about to like take i'm gonna beat the fuck yeah, out of you're, you you're about to take out your you go into the mat for your opponent and it's just the zuck and i would feel i would feel like it was wasn't real i'd be, i'd feel like i know mark zuckerberg is one of those people if i saw him in public i'd be like hey that guy looks like mark zuckerberg but i would not think it was him because i'm just like i don't think that dude ever leaves his house like no way uh, no way dude, yeah yeah so but uh, crazy. to be like you it's i don't know to be the guy that pins mark zuckerberg in a jiu-jitsu tournament or to be the guy that gets beat by mark zuckerberg in a jiu-jitsu tournament uh two very different narratives that are coming out oh, of that fight yeah. uh, <laughs> villain, villain i'm like i'm sure. like if i beat i'd be like it, during the fight i'm like if i beat you do i get like three months free of like meta services or like i mean do i get uh, so- some kind of facebook care package you seem to get a little bit of different internet than I do. I saw that this morning that the fight was off because Elon Musk's mom wanted it off. I'm not kidding. I saw something about that, yes. Hold on. Okay, so you did see that, I did too. see something see. about that. I didn't remember until you Dude, said so. it's everywhere. <laughs> uh, it's everywhere. Like, it's a, a million fucking things. Although, the thing is, Dana White... With USC is like he's into the idea. And oh I'm hell like, yeah! You know how much money he's gonna make off this oh. shit. Oh my god! Because at first he was he was against it, but <clears throat> then I bet he saw some memes. And he's like, wait, I bet people would fucking watch this. Fuck thing, yeah, you they know? would. Uh, for- and he's like, yeah, run it. Dude. You know, he's like baby Billy. You yeah. Know? He oh hell yeah, he is. You make that fucking money. That's what I mean. And again, that's why he's a super rich guy because it's like any way, like I'll. I, I I will exploit myself for Please. content purposes, but like th- that is a whole different level. Do what? I was, I'm seeing this stuff. It was like three days ago, but I thought I saw that today or yesterday. Uh, I got a Monday, right? Article from Futurism. Elon Musk mommy says he's not allowed to cage fight Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, when was that? Was that yesterday? That was one day ago. Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, so I don't okay. know, bro. Is fucking oh oh seeing stuff. Okay, so there's stuff before it was called off. It was stuff about her being against it. So uh, I, that's credible. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I don't. Maybe it's still on. It's I, like she's like Elon. You will get your yeah, ass. Yeah. So so embarrassing or, for you. Oh yeah. Or he's like texting his mom and is like, "Hey, will you make a public statement that says you don't want me to fight Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> so I can back out of this. Mom, <laughs> say say that I can't. Yeah, go play say that I can't do kids. it. Yeah, say that I can't play with the other kids. Say, um, tell them that I'm grounded. How did this even like, start? 
Uh, I think it started as a joke that the internet was like, okay, yes, we will we will watch this happen. And then it, it started, uh, they were like, okay, shit, maybe there's something to it. I, this happens in so, like, it was in other two where if they, you just say something, people will believe it enough until someone just starts to make it so it is a thing. You know what I mean? And I, this is exactly what happened. Um, yeah. I feel like Zuckerberg just relishes at the thought of like fucking beating the people shit. People would think he'd yeah. cool for a second. Yeah, no, and just like, and, and then fucking getting in the cage and just whooping the shit out of Elon Musk. Like, he's like, he's like, I'd be, you know, I feel like he secretly just beats poor people up all the time. For <laughs> <laughs> He's like, now nah, you can beat up a billionaire, dude. He's like, I'm dude. beating my abducted homeless boxing camp yeah, for a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what you're getting into, Elon. I've, Elon I, would be the kind of guy to like get one of the hanging ones, and all of his preparation is just hitting the speed bag, yeah, the speed bag for two weeks beforehand, and, and like it. maybe skipping rope a little. Yeah. He's like, I'll I be can, good. Or, yeah, I was or in just, street fights when I was a teenager. Yeah, not training or like just not training at all, and be like, I'll go in it, you know, just fine. Uh, I feel like, if, for what it's worth, I feel like Mark Zuckerberg beats up poor people in private but he pays them somewhat decently to get beat up he's like yeah i'll pay you money yeah. let, let me beat the shit out of you uh, yeah call it good all right yeah uh, <laughs> like, I, all I, right i feel whatever. like but the question is does he let them fight back i feel like he does i feel like he likes he's like i'm he's gonna upgrading. challenge I'm, yeah. yeah i, I bet gonna, he has uh, he probably has a whole underground fucking terrarium full, full of homeless of, people that he pays you know to hunt him do you all, know at all times you know how in mortal Kombat you have the ladder that you have to climb up in fights he's got yeah. that in an underground base of like yes. just cages of people that he's like all right i worked my way up to number five let's uh let's see if i can take number six number six beats the shit out of him gotta go back down to number five do a yeah. little bit more training and then definitely yeah and then like number a hundred or however high he goes the highest tier it's like fucking like chuck liddell in a cage and he just fucking wants uh, yeah. to just yeah. one by one yeah, take him out yeah <laughs> damn chuck liddell's it, old now uh, i believe it though i i uh i also think that he uh he's probably got computer chips in his body already i that can he see can that. uploads upload karate that's the that's the only thing i'm jealous of him for is that would be the ultimate having... flex because elon musk thinks he's like i'm making Neuralink with torturing these monkeys and then mark zucker would be like i'm done yeah it's finished I, it is finished. <laughs> he's got like he like has like titanium knuckles and he's just like fucking ready to yes. go at it that'd be so tight if i would move back and forth so fast looks like there's three of them yeah you know? i just want i want to poison my body with cybernetic implants like cyberpunk me up i don't give a shit dude i I'm, yeah I'm more likely to become Amish than have a single piece of tech put in my body. Fuck I'm, that, dude. I don't I'm give going a fuck. the other way, Whatever. 100%. Um, I do not give a shit. I'm like, give me sweet robot legs. Fucking turn me into a <laughs> Mortal Kombat. I want some big-ass robot arms, dude. Even if your legs work, you're just yeah, like, Yeah, cut them off, dude. Fucking... Uh, I want the robot legs. Yeah, I want a V8 in my calf that just, I just fucking sprint down the street. I want people to hear me get, coming. We should, we should get started. We should get started. How far... How, we've been gathering. It's, right. Yeah, but it's forty. We're in for forty two minutes in. I mean, how my, long my is story yours is like this time. Mine's like uh, three pages or so. Mine ended up being kind of longer. Oh, okay. Mine I lied. Mine's long. like four pages. My, okay. Mine is half a paragraph into page four. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Go horrible. ahead. All right. All right. Um. 
I uh, I wanted to cover. I told you I was covering a bastard. I yeah. wanted to cover somebody terrible. Nobody wanted to listen to John Brown be the coolest dude alive. Who I mean not every famous person alive in that century. That's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. So I'm going to teach people about a guy that I have known about for a while that a lot of people don't know about, and he's like the worst. I thought he was a great example, and he in his whole life he was the worst. Uh, so our story starts in the 1800s, which is always promising, but dude. it doesn't actually end there. But you know, it's got a little bit of that flavor to yeah, it, which yeah, is always yeah. good. That pseudoscience made up intellectualism, yeah. you know. Um, I was going to cover Harry J. Anslinger, who would later become to be known as the father of the war on drugs. What so, uh, old, yeah, oh, what the worst. Bitch. Oh, another you have war no idea. lost. Another war lost. Oh yeah, yeah. drugs kicked your ass. Yeah, my dude, guy. drugs kicked the fuck out of you. The minute that weed got legalized anywhere, bro, you lost your war. You like yeah, you weren't winning over. regardless. There was you were never gonna win, but like you were, you lost. Also, I saw a guy at the gas station the other day that had a shirt that said, "I'm not gaslighting you. You're just crazy," and I thought it was hilarious, and I want it now. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Harry Anslinger was born in Altoona, Pennsylvania in 1892, the son of a Swiss-German barber who only recently emigrated to the U.S. His father started work at the Pennsylvania Railroad around the time that Harry was born. He lived a normal boy's life at the time, kicking cans, strangling birds. Nice. 100% chance he pushed a hoop with a stick. Oh, yeah, uh, dude. That dude, yeah. De- that dude definitely pushed a hoop with a stick. Definitely a hit, hoop and a stick kind of guy. Uh, relatively uneventful, except for one fateful incident that happened when he was 12. An incident that he would write about and mention by story many times through his life, and he cites as a major inspiration for the man that he will become. Minding his own business, he hears the screams of a woman who lived next door, and he rushed over to see what was wrong, because he was a good boy in the 1900s, and you don't mind your own fucking business, apparently, back then. Absolutely not. So, uh, there was a woman who appeared sick, sweating and screaming in agony, and the husband pleads for Harry's help, and he dispatched him to the drugstore to fetch him a prescription. Harry does so dutifully, he comes back and gives it to the man who administers a dose of morphine to his wife, who need- who nearly immediately starts to calm down, because nice. she was suffering from morphine withdrawal. Damn. Dude, the good old days when you could just send a, like, a 12-year-old yeah, to go pick up some morphine from the dude, Hell yeah. He was like, you want that in the big bottle or the little bottle? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, a man said I need to get some morphine. Yeah. Well, my God, let's you, get you yeah, that let's, morphine, Let's get son. you out the door, buddy. Here's a jug of morphine. <laughs> A whole gallon. A gallon. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was right. Uh, <laughs> uh, after he completed eighth grade and established himself as a full man, he started working at the railroad as well. Because, you know, he's as you do. 19, yeah, it's 1907. Yeah. He's 14. He's the time he starts putting bread on this family's table. Goddamn right. Uh, so he would, in the mornings, go to the local high school, and in the afternoons and the evening, he would work at uh, the railroad. Afternoons and the evening. Working Basically, man. he had a full-time job at the age of 15 while he went to classes in the morning. Working he worked man. as a switchman, carefully monitoring the time with intention to detail unusual for a boy his age. Despite his fastidiousness, his lengthy hours prevented him from obtaining a diploma, so in 1909 he enrolled at a business college at the ripe old age of 17. Hell He's really yeah. getting a late start on his career. I know. You should have been <laughs> finished Jesus high school Christ, at nine. You should be done with your apprenticeship yeah, by now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uh, you should have built a, a tannery with your bare yeah. hands by now. <laughs> After a few years of that, in 1913, the Pennsylvania Railroad Company gave him a furlough so that he could go to Pennsylvania State for a two-year associate degree program. Nice. 
he wasn't rich, so he still had to support himself, which he did by working as a piano player for the silent movie theater. <laughs> I was like, wow, that what is an old-timey job, job yeah, dude. That is an insane job to have. That job is so gone yeah. in every capacity. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he, he did that in the summer. Um, I guess he made you know a good nickel every day to keep f- food in his belly and whatever. So in the summer, he worked also as um, an, a landscaping crew with largely Italian immigrants. Every once in a while, it was here that he'd hear about the Black Hand, a nearly mythological Italian criminal enterprise that often t- targeted new immigrants. Once, while he was working, he found a coworker who had been beaten badly in a ditch who had said that he'd been forced to pay protection money. And this is another one of those foundational moments that Anslinger cites in his history. We'll come back to that. Okay. So right around this time in 1914, the Harrison Narcotics Tax Act passes, regulating a tax on the production of opiates and coca products, because opium and cocaine was kind of all over the fucking place back then. Um, Let me this get an air horn for opium and cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Our first warriors yeah. in the Great War yeah. drugs. <laughs> uh, they, the bill was aimed at restricting primarily opium and morphine could still party hard on cocaine yeah, brother. yeah send that shit in the mail so after uh penn state he got a job as, as a railroad detective because nothing sounded cooler to him than being a narc for a business of course and, and it was his discovery of a fraud in a fifty thousand dollar negligence suit that propelled him to be the captain uh, of the railroad police quickly in his career uh, it was um Pretty big case that he'd, like, found some inconsistency in testimony between, like, a wife and husband, and he, he called it out, and they had paid out the 50000 but then they were able to legally claim it back. Ruined those people's lives for the business. Yeah, awesome. Really? That is his job. Yep. So, in 1916, he moves to Ham- Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That's the capital. Obviously, you knew that. To help the new Pennsylvania State Police reorganize the new force. Uh, after being a corpo cop, he manages to uh, become, uh, I, not become, but help a super state cop. He just loves cop stuff through and through, if loves that's it. any idea of the man that he is. After a year there, he also became the deputy fire commissioner, because as John Brown taught us, a man with a single job is nothing. Not a goddamn man at all. Um, the D I've also, oh, I forgot to mention my sources. I had a bunch of good ones. Uh, I did, there was actually a pretty decent rundown on the timeline of his life from the DEA. Oh shit. But facts of it are a little muddled. sugary. A little, a little, little sugary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have a thick candy coating. You don't say. With a, a dipped in caramel <laughs> and then chocolate. Uh, I always had time. The DEA, uh, Boston Political, CBS News, um, Penn State had some, and there was uh, J- JS Tour, which has the the papers and stuff that you could get. I, I got some papers that I I read some stuff about. There's also a book that I'm going to mention more about at the end uh, called Assassin of Youth that I read a while ago that I remembered some of the stuff and is why I want to talk about this guy. Uh, but... So you may have noticed that our timeline was running up on ye old First World War. And you know that Captain Cool Anslinger rushed to volunteer for service just as soon as that opportunity came up. Presumably because he believed he might get to shoot Italians. Uh, An eye injury kept him from passing the physical to be a trench splatter, so he got a job with the Army Ordnance Department. Because he's like, well, if I can't fucking shoot, I might as well organize logistics. That's... An Anslinger through and through. 
Um, basically a logistics expert and makes sense with his train experience and his fastidiousness. And by 1918, he was a second lieutenant, and soon after, he joined the State Department Diplomatic Corps. Bouncing around, he's doing a lot. Yeah. You know, you gotta give him credit for that. He's getting a lot done. Uh, he was well known in his position, known for fucking extremely detailed reports, and being the most by the book motherfucker of this side of the Atlantic. And as World War One came to a close, he was personally trusted to encourage Kaiser Wilhelm II to not leave the throne, not abdicate it. He did abdicate it, so he just failed completely at that time. <laughs> so after the war, he was stationed in Hamburg, Germany, as a clerk for the American commissioner to Berlin. Uh, he was there for five years to assist rebuild efforts. According to Anslinger specifically, Hamburg was the worldwide distribution center for illegal drugs. And this is another one of those influential moments in his life because he realized that drugs and probably Italians were a worldwide problem. Uh, Gotta get rid of those days, Italians, man. These days, it's issue. actually really hard to confirm anything about Hamburg being the drug capital <laughs> of America or I the world. Um, and if hard to confirm it's ever true, it's not widely reported on. Near the, this, that was something that he testified, claimed all the time. Near the end of his time there, he also got married to Martha Denniston and adopted her 12-year-old son named Joseph. Martha was distantly related to the Mellon family, which included a U.S. Treasury Secretary, Andrew Mellon, uh, who was a big patron in Henry Anslinger's career. He was next assigned to Venezuela, also as a clerk, uh, which she called a vice consul, just to sound cooler. Yep, no. And he did not like uh, he did not like it at all. He often called it the lowest point of his career. It was hot, and it was boring, and it was sweaty. And they they had to be like far away to go to good schools or something. I, imperialist bullshit. So after two years, he gets transferred in 1926 to Nassau, Bahamas, tasked with the much more exciting job of stopping rum runners from the Bahamas smuggling rum into America because it's prohibition and that's illegal. Man, this dude is just like a good time fun ruiner. Like he was. Like, oh, everywhere he goes. Every, my God, yes. The minute he yes. steps foot on some soil, it's like, all right, who's having fun? Where, Let's who's stop got that. good time to yeah, run? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, and this is the shit he was talking about. He gets to feel like a big time police officer, plus he gets to use his State Department skills to flex nuts. He gets this... Um, he gets to stop dirty non-Americans from soiling his country with their vice and sin, which, you know, this is he's a golden war. Yeah, this that's peak perfect. patriotic fucking duty right, right there. there, yeah. It's here that he really made a name for himself. He worked with the British government to enforce prohibition on the island and got treaties, uh, secure treaties with Cuba, Newfoundland, and Belgium to reduce the smuggling into the country. He basically made it so that... They had penalties if they let drugs get smuggled into America, which he, you know, flexed American nuts on yeah. small rebuilding nations to influence international drug policy based on his feelings. Just as the founding fathers intended. <laughs> Hell fucking yeah. So, um, this plus his wife got him noticed by senior leadership within the Treasury Department because his wife is related to that guy. Um, so he wows the big bosses at the Treasury Department, and he gets promoted to assistant commissioner and a big boy salary of $6,500 in the year 1929. I didn't write that down. I can't believe it. I didn't and did the inflation calculator. Forgot. Happens to the best of us. It does. Uh, let me check. Because it was, yeah, you know, I mean, he's probably doing okay for himself. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. He doesn't even have to raise a baby. He's just got like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's a, oh, that's a hundred ten grand. He's doing great. Yeah, then you got a pre-raised child. 
Uh, oh, yeah, that's the best. Uh. So now he oversees the Treasury's Narcotics Control Board because at the time, narcotics kind of just fell under them. They didn't really have a formalized process for it. They were just like, I don't know, drugs are money and we want that, so it's our problem. Um, he, of course, had a bunch of really cool fucking ideas how to coordinate the federal agencies, and his previous experiences gave him the idea of using severe sanctions to deter violations from other nations. So, again, flex nuts on other nations so they won't have drugs in their countries. Naturally. For the rest of his career, became a major proponent of this philosophy. So, in 1930, Stephen Porter, House Rep Jerkoff, sponsored the bill that created the Bureau of Narcotics in, the 19, in 1930. Uh, lucky for old Anslinger, the current head of the Prohibition Unit's Narcotic Division was in a wee bit of trouble because his son was a lawyer for Arnold Rotherstein, kingpin of the Jewish mob, and fixer of the 1919 World Series. So, Harry got to get, get named acting commissioner. Uh, he was formally named to the post later in the year uh, by President Herbert Hoover, another ass president who's clearly terrible at making decisions. Naturally. In a decade, he moved from a State Department clerk to head of a major federal commission personally appointed by the president, which is meteoric. <laughs> if drug users are hens, then Harry Anslinger was the fox just formally appointed to the hen house. This was basically what he had wanted his entire fucking adult life, to be in charge of punishing people who distribute and consume drugs, especially Italians, <laughs> and people who look like Italians. Morphine and cocaine had taken their licks, so Anslinger set his sights on a much more deadly, prolific menace at the time. What drug could I be thinking of? What's more deadly and dangerous than heroin and cocaine? Marijuana, obviously. Marijuana. Marijuana, you baby. Nail, it's yep. cannabis. Yes, sir. Uh, he actually preferred to specifically refer to it as marijuana to associate it with the Spanish language. and uh, But it was also, he sometimes called it Indian hemp because he didn't like Indians either. Of course not. Why, you, next you're going to tell me he doesn't like black people. <laughs> Just you <laughs> wait. <laughs> Anything that made weed sound like it was associated with not white people, that was what he preferred to call it. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this because his dad is a Swedish uh, barber. He is a white man. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, Harry. (laughs) So uh, he hated marijuana and its indolent criminal users, so he started a campaign to tightly regulate it. Uh, I found a quote from the book that he wrote called Murders, the Story of the Narcotic Gangs, which is a book that he wrote that really illustrates what he believed the average marijuana users were like. I bet it's well, just the, uh, ra- a book full of raving reviews for minorities. He's oh, like, yeah, the best. Yeah. Oh, just <laughs> wait. Listen to this quote. The room was crowded. There were 50 people, but it seemed like 500. It was like crazy couples lying all over the place. A woman was screaming out in the hall. Two fellows were trying to make love to the same girl, and this girl was screaming and crying, not making any sense. Her clothes were mostly pulled off, and she was snickering and blubbering. This place was nothing but smoke and stink and these funny little noises. I was like, you don't have... What? That's, yeah. No, whoever that story was has not hung no. out with anyone smoking dope. Yeah, absolutely not. The only person who would believe this story, in fact, is someone who's clearly never been invited to a party. He yeah. doesn't, they don't know what a party <laughs> is. They think that. It just works like that. So he used these classic bullshit methods to conflate crime and marijuana, and he spread salacious stories with incredible detail to you know, titillate the public and make them scared of it. Uh, he was like 
look at these uh, over 2,000 stories of people charged with crimes who also said they liked weed. And everyone was like, okay, yeah, but weed didn't make any of them commit any crimes. Yeah. And he's like, so, yes, it did. Of course it did, duh. Absolutely it did. They smoked a marijuana cigarette. They said they They're enjoyed criminal. it. Yeah. Uh, out of 30 people on a, a panel of drugs and pharmacists, a whopping 29 were against the ban that he was proposing. Curiously, the only testimonies saved in the Bureau's files were of the single dissenter who once remarked on seeing a doctor hooked on marijuana. That was That's the only note he had. He's like, oh, uh, I asked those 30 doctors and this is all I got. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> He put out requests for reports of all of these dope-smoking criminals, and then guess what? He got a bunch of reports about dope-smoking criminals, and then he's like, look at this increase in reports I'm getting. <laughs> you fuck! You fucking nerd. This was at a time when marijuana was actually not well-known, and its use was primarily among Mexican immigrants in the American Southwest. Uh, and he actually made the public more aware of it and its effects Dude. by fucking blabbing about fucking it all the time. The original Barbra Streisand effect, dog. He's yeah. like, it's like that uh, uh, Dewey Cox stories. Like, uh, I actually think I won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he simultaneously ran a media campaign against weed, knowing and recognizing the power of media influence. So he would p- write fictional stories to publish to make users seem worse than they were. Sometimes he would write testimonies and then, in his federal capacity doing his job, reference these testimonies to describe how dangerous weed was in front of the government to justify banning it. <laughs> he, he's, he wrote his own shit. He's LARPing whatever he thinks fucking weed is like and, using, and just lying to the federal government to get these bills passed. Um, let's see. So, another quote of his... Uh, by the tons, it's coming into this country, this deadly, dreadful poison that racks and tears not only the body, but the very heart and soul of every human being who once becomes a slave to it in its cruel and devastating form. Jesus. Smoke marijuana cigarettes for a month, and what was once your brain will be nothing but a storehouse of horrid specters. Sounds awesome. I think it'll be okay. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> I was like, if you honestly believe this, you uh, how are we not awash yeah, in murders dude, all yeah, the no time? Shit. Uh, he also got William Randolph Hearst, literally the inventor of yellow journalism, to elevate the movement to a national level. Uh, as, you know, it sold stories. That was it. He was a publisher, so he published these books, too. He personally wrote a story about a youth who murdered his family with an axe because of marijuana in the style of a police report to make it sound legit, and then he published it in a magazine. This same story was referenced in the infamous film Reefer Madness. It was part of a series of gore files that Anslinger kept and used to shock the public. Uh, and that story was about someone who had schizophrenia. Oh, uh, and schizophrenia, right. and they murdered their family. I yeah. love, I love those films though. Like when I had to go to Free my for madness is dude, hilarious. When I had to go to my uh, my uh, when I got arrested, they were like, "You got to go to these uh, DUI classes," and I'm like, "I need a fucking DUI," but I had to go to them regardless. And it was like me and like four other people in a counselor's office. One guy had gotten a DUI for driving a go kart while under the influence. I was like, "That's sick." Uh, but they showed us these videos of like marijuana use, and this person's like, "Marijuana destroyed my life. I couldn't stop smoking it. It's all I could do." And I was like, and the guy was like, uh, "How does how does everybody feel about that video?" And I like raised my hand. He was like, "Yeah." I was like, "That's bullshit." I was like, "That dude has other issues than smoking yeah. weed. Like he has some yeah. serious underlying issues, and weed is not the problem. It's his I'll fucking." Never f- 
I'll never forget, like, I think it was middle school, maybe it was my first year high school health class, when they were doing the drugs are bad, okay, speeches, and they were listing the effects, they're like, meth, your teeth will rot out, look at the fuck, you'll pick your fucking freckles off, they're like, cocaine, your nose will fall <laughs> off, you'll fucking bleed out yeah. your eyeballs, marijuana, you'll be sleepy, <laughs> and you'll eat a lot, <laughs> and, we, and I remember talking to my friends after and being like, didn't they make marijuana sound that, like fine? Yes, yeah, so <laughs> like, compared to the other things? That we, was, were, we were all like, huh. <laughs> you don't say. We actually learned about marijuana accurately. We're like, doesn't sound too bad. Sounds pretty sick, to be honest. Um, so, uh, anyway, yeah, but yeah, that story did not happen in the capacity that he told it. And several of the stories that he did tell have no record at all. The rest, 100%, cannot be attributed to marijuana use. Can't just say they did it because there was weed nearby. Eventually, he drafted the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 with another loser house rep, which passed, strictly regulating the, culti- regulating the cultivation of hemp and marijuana plants because he didn't know the difference. Uh, the bill was passed after input from the DuPont company as oh. well. Weird. Uh, probably not a huge shock, but he was hugely racist. Uh, and he Don't used the prosecution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he used the. Uh, persecution and prosecution of marijuana to advance his racist views. Uh, quote, colored students at the University of Minnesota partying with white female students smoking marijuana and getting their sympathy with stories of racial persecution. Result, pregnancy. That's like a note that he has in his what journal. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? This is something he publicly said. Reefer makes darkies think they're as good as white men. He's just said that on TV. He's like, like, on the radio. I love that he's like telling their stories of racial persecution as he racially persecutes them and fucking like, what are you talking about? Guys? Shut yeah, up. I, I Shut know. Up, I, I'm, like, I'm like, you think the stories aren't real? Yeah, they're, they're doing they're, You it? think they're just stories as you actively do what you're saying? He's like, the women are falling for their <laughs> terrible stories. Like, what? <laughs> they have it for their struggles. Uh, he was actually, Anslinger was actually unusually racist at the time. Uh, even conservatives in the government were like, you need to chill out your job. Yeah. No, your job. Uh, this was, uh, there was some calls for from conservatives in the government to for him to resign after he used the N-word in his official memos too many times. Jesus Christ. I, I, like, Good God. The man, they're like, bro, you can't just do that. Yeah, chill <laughs> out, dude. You're the federal commissioner. Uh, yeah. So, um... There, another famous quote of his was there were 100,000 total marijuana smokers in the U.S., which is such a made-up number. Oh. It's like a perfect made-up yeah. number. Um, and most are Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. Their satanic music, jazz, and swing result from marijuana use. This marijuana causes white women to seek ro- sexual relations with Negroes, entertainers, and any others. It's like, ah. Oh. I'm like, dude. This dude you're sounds a, like he's just he's like not getting any pussy. Like a, so he's yes, like he's like yes. the black people are the reason. I, I, I was like, this is literally OG insult shit. Yeah, like, this dude, is exactly what insults the blueprint. See. The blueprint. Oh, for real. Um, so perfect example of 
the levels that he went to. In 1939, Billie Holiday released her f- famous song, Strange Fruit, which was a criticism of the la- lynchings the American South was so famous for. Anslinger then directed the Federal Bureau of Narcotics to co- target and harass and follow Billie Holiday. Oh, no shit. Personally. Good God. Right after her performance of her song, she received a warning from the FBN that she was never to sing the song again. I'm sorry, what do you think this has to do with heroin, Dude, my guy? Real. Why are you making what? Shut your fucking mouth! Uh, he's, he's like, I don't like that they're upset about being murdered in cold blood. I, that pisses me I, off. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, t- this was uh, just one of the many specifically jazz musicians that he targeted for their association with drugs, and also because their songs quote reek of filth. His agents even reported back to him, quote, Many among the jazzmen think they're playing magnificently when under the influence of marijuana, but they are actually becoming hopelessly confused and playing horribly. That's just you jazz. Don't, you don't get jazz. Yeah, you don't understand you, it, bud. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're also sober for the jazz concert. Yeah, for Nobody real. Yeah, not a single person is. Everybody's having a great time. So uh, he's like, all right. Anslinger's like, all right, maybe I'm gonna get a black agent yeah. to really yeah, infiltrate. Stay, the yeah, I need to. I need to one, which really, was hard for him. I, he you was don't like, say. Okay, all right, I whatever. Do this. Whatever black person worked with him was nerves of steel. Absolute fucking. Uh, he was actually a friggin' nerd who was radically anti-drug. Who said all drug de- drug users deserve everything that happens to them. So just a straight true soldier. Yeah, um, he is hired to investigate her he saw her drink and do blow firsthand but she actually noticed him and they became friends they became friends because she was really nice and he liked hanging out with her <laughs> even though he fucking raided her later because he's that much of a fucking what an asshole, dude. what a yeah. fucking nerd that raid happened got her arrested because she left her husband for beating her and he worked with the FBN to set her up. Like he so she left and he was like, Perfect, she's gonna be down, I can fucking get her to be arrested. What a bitch. She went to prison for a year and then Anslinger sent another agent to follow her, this time a white guy who supposedly infiltrated a Chinese drug gang. I was like, No, he didn't. No. no. <laughs> he was like they were like he learned Mandarin and they and performed the ancient Oriental rites. I was like, Dude, oh, what? Shut the what? I love. I like the idea that all the Chinese people knew, like, didn't understand anything he was saying because he wasn't speaking Chinese, yeah. and they just made him do goofy shit. <laughs> like, yeah, this is what we always do. This tracks. You're gonna need to deep throat that entire thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, they. He claimed that he found a heroin kit and opium in her room, and historians widely agree that he planted those shits. Fucking obvious. You don't say. Then he would personally uh, direct her harassment for another 20... Or, sorry, not that guy, fucking Anslinger. Would personally direct her harassment for another 20 years, even going so far as to arrest her in the hospital, cutting off her methadone treatment in the middle of taking it, and killing her. What the fuck, really? Hanley, yeah, Harry Anslinger fucking killed Billy Holiday. That's like, insane. Directly. What a... F- yeah, wow. he, he was like, he, he was like, go to that hospital and kill Billy yeah. Holiday. Like, <laughs> oh, got God. it, boss. Throughout his professional career, he maintained a file called Marijuana and Musicians that Shocker was filled with just black people. You don't, oh my God. I know. just, yeah. It just, all uh, these specifically targeted just jazz musicians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1964, he wrote a book that had, um, a chapter called Jazz and Junk Don't Mix, and he at one point tried to coordinate a dragnet, on, a coordinated dragnet on all jazz musicians. Just all of them. 
He was like, they're all drug users. Every one of them. Every single one of them were taking him down. Um, he, but, you know, he had a good eye for publicity. Uh, I, you know, some of it was kind of this stuff, because white people all about him. Uh, he had a finger on the American pulse, and he was keen to keep the Narcotic Bureau apart from the newly formed FBI. He and Hoover kind of beefed. Uh, Anslinger, to his credit, long believed in the power of organized crime and worked to expose the mafia that he maintained existed, while Hoover continuously denied that it was real. We did not believe it. Um, the, uh, J. Edgar Hoover also loved horse racing, and Anslinger cared about nothing but justice. So when publicity started to come around for the doping of thoroughbreds and horse, re- uh, horse racing, Anslinger commanded the FBN to crack down on it what? and made several public arrests that shot him to a household name, which really pissed off Hoover. Uh, because he's not his job yeah. to fucking arrest people for doping their horses. horses. Yeah, what? He's just getting involved yeah. in whatever he wants. Dude, the broad fucking liberty that American federal agencies had where they could just like, Dude. like we just did this. Yeah. And fun. everyone's like, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're in charge of that, so go for it. Um, so Hoover was pissed off because he loves horse racing and also because that has nothing to do with his agency. And Anslinger publicized the cruelty to animals to appeal to the public, and the effect kept him in charge of the FBN, even under the new Democratic president, FDR. Damn. Like, and he, People did not like Anslinger, but he was a public name, and there, so even fucking FDR was like, fucking fine, yeah. I'll keep your ass here. Uh, basically just used a federal police agency however he wanted to forward not only his racist views, but expedite his medical or his uh, political career. Uh, he also got a bunch of political clout as World War II was spinning up uh, by he, because of World War I, he developed like a keen awareness of the importance of morphine. So while he worked hard to imprison people for the use of morphine and narcotics, he actually directed the government to buy the most opium of anybody in the world and stockpile it in preparation for World War II. And uh, by 1940, the government was the largest opium owner in the world with 300 tons of opium stockpiled, and it lasted them through them and the Allies through World War II, which I you're wanna, like, all right. I want to see okay, that. whatever. I want to see that warehouse. I, I want see to the go opium. to there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see the opium warehouse, please. I would like to just... Yeah, yeah. They're like, why do you have a trash bag? Dude, like, I'm just... Yeah, it. fucking mind your own goddamn business. Yeah. So in the 40s, uh, Anslinger was worried about drug use among Hollywood stars, so of course he started meeting with Hollywood executives to give them not only secret information that he'd obtained about these drug users, but he also... Um, kind of gave guidance about how to appropriately convey drug use in movies. It was maybe a coincidence that around this time that the motion picture production code banned drug use in movies unrelated to the plot. Which, I'm like, well, I mean, you could stretch anything and yeah, just to make related it related to the plot. To the plot. Yeah. But also, what a fucking nerd. Oh my fucking god. So, uh, by the 40s and the 50s, he was practically cemented in his role due to savvy political maneuvering and his acute sense of uh, public sentiment. He was a firm believer in uh, punitive prison sentences as a method to deter people from illegal drug use, and he encouraged cities to have their own narcotics units, especially as there was a bunch of World War II veterans were coming back to the States with morphine addictions. Um, as a result, uh, arrests soared in U.S. cities. You know, he targeted veterans. Awesome. Got lots of those. Naturally. And then marijuana arrests soared in U.S. cities. He would cite the faulty statistics with purposely skewed interpretations to justify his claims. But as he got older, 
started to have a little more pushback. Uh, it took them until the 50s to at least stop publicly claiming that marijuana gives everyone permanent mental health issues. Jesus. But he would regularly ignore scientific and medical studies that were not commissioned by him, going so far as to discredit them for bad science, even though he's not a fucking scientist. He's just a dude. Yeah, just a guy and, saying stuff. And he just did everything wrong anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and even went so far as to try to halt a joint report by the American Bar and the medical associations, associations that would have been like, they, they were huge. They were like, marijuana isn't bad for you. We shouldn't criminalize it. It's terrible for the government. And uh, he, they, they couldn't, he couldn't get it suppressed, so he called it unscientific and discredited it. This specific event got him a lot of public scrutiny in the twilight of his career, and it was a big reason he got pushed out of the position. Nice. Um, oh, oh, yeah, by the way, something that he kept very secret in the 50s, the whole time that he was doing all of this, he was providing morphine to renowned anti-communist joseph mccarthy really he was giving morphine to him to suppress his addiction or to keep his addiction from being public yeah. uh, he tried to get him to quit and joseph mccarthy's like how about you shut up nerd yeah. or i tell everyone you've been giving me heroin <laughs> and he was like okay Look. so he gave him marijuana uh he gave him morphine paid for by the bureau until mccarthy died damn I was like, Damn. what a two-timing despicable yeah, piece of son fucking of a bitch. garbage. His whole life, always relentlessly garbage. It was around this time that he suffered a mental breakdown of intense paranoia and irrational thoughts, believing things like addiction was contagious, and there were secret pot plots of drug users to infect others all over the world, and he was briefly hospitalized. I was that like, dude. your, your yeah. fucking paranoia collapsed yeah. in on you like a dying star. That dude had irrational thoughts his entire life. What do you his mean? Whole yeah, fucking his life. whole fucking life. So, horribly, John F. Kennedy fucking reinstated him in 1961, when he was 69 years old, nice, and when yeah. the position had a mandatory retirement age of 70. It was a really weird thing to do. From what I understand, he just wanted an old guard, wanted to reevaluate the position anyway, didn't want it to be controversial. He's just like, there you go. So on the 70th, he submitted his resignation. He stayed on a few months while they found his replacement. And then he was sent to be a... U.S. rep to the United Nations Narcotics Commission for two years, which is a meaningless throwaway yeah. position to just make him disappear from the public light. And he died blind and forgotten in 1975 at 83 years old, leaving behind a long-lasting legacy of the obscenely racist and class war of drugs that left millions of people uh, imprisoned and impoverished. And that was, that was fucking Harry J. Anslinger. To Rest the in piss. <laughs> yeah, you bitch. awful fucking Yeah, you piece fucking of awful human. Like, man, you're really... Uh, the DEA is so rosy about this dude. They're like... I, he was so, like, dedicated. And I was like, he was too dedicated. Yeah, too okay? dedicated. Too, and racist. Weird as shit. Yeah, fucking... He's so dedicated. God damn, what a terrible person. Yeah, harassing Billie Holiday like that yeah. forever. I was like, what the fuck fucking is insane. wrong with this dude? Insane. It's Obsessive. So weird. Super weird. Um, excuse me, mine's not... I cannot believe he was allowed to do that. For but a, yeah, the for, guy... It gave me an inspiration for who I'm going to cover next week who's also a bastard. God damn, So right. buckle up. Um, so mine is not a bastard story. It's a survival story because, you know, it's just something we covered. This it's how it be. It's yeah. how it be sometimes. 
Uh, but it's fucking bananas. Um, and you know, you probably also, I'm sure you have, and most people have seen the video of this survival story, uh, or at least seen pictures of it. I remember for a little bit, it was going around in kind of like a meme format with like the picture of him, uh, in his survival state or whatever, his survival era. And, uh, hit in like caption of like what it had, what had happened. Uh, so I got sources from 9news.com.au. There's also a website called Badass of the Week, which I think is a podcast where they write up excerpts from it on their website. Uh, I got a super funny because they, they write exactly how I do. So like like this excerpt um, that says, Still in its underwear, the shit's cooked with sleepy, probably a little seasick, and most likely just feeling the way most people feel when they have to get up at friggin' 5 a.m. on a Sunday to go to work, completely blissfully unaware that he was about five minutes away from being abruptly thrown face-first into a horrific death trap so cruel and unusual that if a dungeon master threw it at his D&D party, they'd all kick his ass on the spot. And I was like, this is great writing. This is phenomenal writing. Awesome. So uh, Nita is looking to Badass of the Week a little bit more. Um, So... I am going to be talking about the survival story of Harrison O'Keen. Um, so at around 5 a.m. on May 26, 2013, a 29-year-old Harrison O'Keen um, wakes up to start his day. He is a Nigerian national and is currently employed as a cook on a small tugboat called the Jackson, or the Jaskins, uh, Jaskin 4. Uh, it is around 30 kilometers or about 18 freedom miles off the coast of Nigeria, Harrison is part of a 12-man crew on this tugboat whose job was to help secure a large oil tanker loaded with gasoline from a nearby Chevron oil platform. Amongst the crew are 10 more Nigerian nationals. Four of them are cadets with the country's Maritime Academy, and they have a Ukrainian captain. On this particular morning, the weather is noticeably brutal. Harrison wakes up and puts on his boxers. He starts making his way to the bathroom of the ship uh, to do the old morning business. The sea's kind of tossing him every which way, so he's holding on to the walls uh, to catch his balance. He finally makes his way to the bathroom where he sits down to do his business. Um, Hold on. Uh, Sits down to do his business, and it's at that moment that the small tugboat gets nailed by a massive wave. Um, Harrison is tossed around the room. I think my fucking, hold on, I think my Discord notifications are going off. Give me a second. Let me see if I can. I didn't hear nothing. Yeah, I don't think you'd hear it on your end, but I think you'd hear it on the podcast. Let me put it I on. could hear it when the was when it was happening on the pod. Oh, really? Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. I just put it on Do Not Stir- Disturb just in case. Um, so uh, he sits down to do his business, and that's when the small tugboat gets nailed by a massive wave. Harrison is tossed around the bathroom. Uh, He hadn't worried before. He was an experienced sailor. He knew the sea was unforgiving and a little chop wasn't going to scare him. But once he collected himself and saw that he was standing on the ceiling of the bathroom and the toilet was above him, he realized that something was definitely wrong and the boat had probably capsized. Um, So he knows that this is now an emergency situation and he shoulders open the bathroom door. Uh, He can see water rushing in the boat and is quickly rising. He grabs a life vest, and he begins looking for the nearest exit hatch. Unfortunately for him, though, uh, when he finds an exit hatch, it's fucking locked. All, like, majority of the exit hatches were locked on the boat, and they had been sealed up because, as for, like, anti-pirate measures. Um, so, kind of a fucking bummer. So, yeah. as the water rises around Harrison, he finds, like, two more exit ha- hatches. They're locked. Uh, he, as well as three other men, make their way to an exit hatch that was unlocked, and when they opened it, the water came pouring in. 
Harrison stated, oh, that he, yeah, Harrison stated that he saw water burst through in full force and watched as the three men in front of him were swiftly uh, swept away by the cold, unforgiving sea, knowing immediately that they were dead. Uh, what a fucking bummer. Um, ah, not dude. cool. Yeah, that sucks. So moments after three of his crewmates get sent to a watery grave, another burst of water forces Harrison backwards. And once and once he regains his composure, he hears the loud thud of the boat hitting what he the ocean floor. Basically, Harrison is completely underwater. He realizes that he is actually yeah. in. Yeah, dude. Fuck that. Pitch black. No. He realizes, though, that he is in one of the ship's bathrooms, and he swims up to the ceiling where the sink is now located and finds a small air pocket just big enough for him to fit his head in. Uh, he begins do all also terrible. Yeah. He begins Awful. holding himself up inside of it, treading water for his life. Uh, he stated that for a short while, he could hear his crewmate screaming, God help me. God help me. And then after a short while, the screaming just stopped. Uh, oh, Jesus good. Christ, dude. Yeah. Um, how do you, yeah, <laughs> yeah oh. that is a new man now. Um, so Harrison is holding himself in this tiny little air pocket in the sink. He spends the entirety of a day in this bathroom. The water is freezing cold. It's also pitch black. So he really has no idea how much time has passed or is passing. Uh, and he really doesn't know what he's going to do next. So if he wants to have any chance of maybe surviving this ordeal, he's going to have to move. He's at the bottom of the ocean. So, he is unsure if rescue is even going to be coming, but he knows that this air pocket is very small and it won't last forever. So, yeah, Harrison, yeah, Harrison decides that he's going to have to risk a venture through the boat to look for supplies and another source of air. So he is obvious. This is obviously risky as fuck um, because he's going to have to do it all by feeling around. And the boat is also upside in down in the black water. In the water. He can't see. The boat is upside down, so the layout's not exactly like he remembers it. Um, and there's debris all over the place. It's just fucking, you know, it's chaos. Um, so Harrison has a quick little chat with the big man upstairs, basically saying, yeah. yeah, basically saying, you know, he says, quote, I told God, if you rescue me, I will never go back to this to the sea again. Never. See, that's, that's correct. Yeah. The guys who were like, and then I was back on the sea the yeah. next week. Yeah. You're crazy. Idiot. This per this guy's like, nope, I'm yeah, done. Fuck that it. was too close. So he pushes himself out of the small air pocket and is able to force the heavy bathroom door open. Uh, he swims out of the small bathroom and into the rest of the boat. He actually ends up in the captain's quarters. And while in this room, Harrison has the feeling that he needs to swim upwards. So he does. Uh, and boy, howdy, does he get fucking lucky because as he's swimming up or upwards, his head breaks to the surface and he has found another air pocket with about as uh, about four feet of headroom. So much bigger. Than oh, the wow. Same. Tons. Yeah. Ooh, very, very lucky. So Great. for real, talk about a stroke of luck. So now Harrison has more room to utilize. Uh, he starts coming up with a survival plan. Harrison knows that if he stays in the freezing water for too long, he's going to get hypothermia. So he starts feeling around the room because, you know, like I said, it's pitch black. He can't fucking see a damn thing. He finds himself a nice length of rope and he ties the rope to something sturdy in the air pocket. And he begins using this rope as a guide back to the air pocket as he begins scavenging the boat for food and water or any supplies that will aid in his survival. Uh, during his scavenging run, he ends up finding a bottle of Coca-Cola as well as some wood paneling and a mattress. He takes this back to the air pocket. He slides. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. 
He slides the wood under the mattress to make it more buoyant, and now when the cold begins to be too much, he can hoist himself onto the mattress and give his uh, give his you know body a break from the cold water. So as time passes, Harrison has been underwater in this capsized tugboat for about forty eight hours. Uh, he was wow. yeah was certain that pretty certain that he just was pissing shit just right into the water. Got to do what you got to do, my guy. Um, yeah. He is the sole remaining survivor. Is what he's basically coming to terms with he said he I mean, yeah yeah he's, how big of a fucking boat could this dude yeah no it's like a little tug know. yeah um he said he could smell the dead bodies of his crewmates and he could also hear what he believed sharks or fish fighting over the bodies of just dis- his deceased friends um i yeah. don't i don't even need to promise god i just wouldn't go yeah, in the just ocean wouldn't again. do it yeah Fuck fish. I don't want to be near fish. Fuck no. Uh, so time passes and passes. Harrison is finding it harder and harder to hold on to hope. He hasn't found an exit. He knows that at any moment the boat could shift uh, on the seafloor and his pocket of air would completely fill up and kill him. He was growing hungry and thirstier. With I can't event. believe that that much air can be trapped That's in what the I, ship. Yeah, dude, I know. Like yeah. a tugboat? Yeah. You know? That's crazy. crazy. Um, so he was growing hungry and thirstier with each passing hour. The salt water had rubbed his skin raw. Uh, I believe he also said that it completely yeah. dissolved the skin on his tongue, which fucking sucks. That's uh, fucked. Sucks. Oh my God. So after being underwater for about six in the darkness, in the darkness, complete darkness, cold, freezing, frigid water in a tiny four foot air pocket for about 60 hours, Harrison hears a new, like a very different noise than what he has been hearing. He said it sounded like somebody was throwing a hammer against the side of the boat. Um, Harrison quickly drops himself back into the water. He swims down and he be in, and he begins searching for any kind of heavy or solid object that he could find. Uh, he gets his hands on, I think it was like a water dispenser. He pulled the filter out of it. Uh, and he goes back up to the air pocket where he begins banging on the side of the ship, hoping to get the attention of whatever, whoever is making that sound. Um, it doesn't work. After a short while, the sound just fades away, and he thinks that he's like, fuck, you know, that's it. That was that whatever. was it. Yeah, that was it. So, that was the airplane flying overhead yeah, yeah, on the island. Imagine. Fuck. Uh-huh. So, um, despair, Harrison's despair is not, is, it is very short lived, uh, because he then sees a beam of light illuminating the dark waters below. This dude hasn't seen anything in 60 hours, just pitch blackness. So, um, he sees a beam of light illuminating the dark waters below, and it happens to be a diver. So he quickly lowers himself into the water once again and attempts to follow the light, but he stated that the diver was too fast and he tried to follow him into the darkness, but he lost track of them. So he goes back up to his air pocket. Luckily for Harrison, another light illuminates the waters below him, and this time he's Fuck ready. Yeah. This also happens to be the last diver in the stack. So if he misses this guy, I'm. it was probably certain that he wasn't going to be saved. Um, so he swims down towards the light and he can see the back of this diver and this guy's like, and Harrison's obviously like, thank fucking God I'm saved. It's going to scare the motherfucking Christ out of this guy. He also knows that he doesn't think they're looking for survivors. He thinks they're, they're on a corpse retrieval. So he's trying to keep a level head. Um, he knows they are, like I said, a hundred percent, not expecting to find someone alive. So spooking this diver could put both of their lives at risk. 
So Harrison very carefully taps this diver on the shoulder. The diver. Was, oh, that's yeah, how he. That's yeah. it. No! What, are you, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Like, I don't know. What else? Yell yeah. underwater. Uh, 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 um, the diver was a man named uh, Nico Von Herdin. Uh, he spins around and is obviously shocked as a motherfucker. Fills his um, wetsuit with poo. So he sees. He doesn't necessarily see Harrison at first. He sees Harrison's hand and he thinks it's another body. So he goes to grab the hand and, you know, take it with him because it's another body they got to retrieve. And as he grabs Harrison's hand, Harrison grabs his hand, freaks him the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Back um, to scared again. And, yeah, and meanwhile, work. all this is being live broadcasted to a crew above the water. The whole crew so up there. Yeah, <laughs> so they're like, what the fuck? Um, so, <laughs> that makes it so yeah, much funnier. Dude, so Because you know it, like, scream and then scream. Yeah, like, it yeah, definitely yeah. happened above the, um, <laughs> above the water. So Harrison leads... He needs air, so he leads Nico back up to his air pocket. And the entire, like I said, the entire diving crew is wearing body cams, and they're sending a feed back up to command on a boat above the water. And everybody above is like, holy shit, someone's fucking alive. Um, like, and nobody, and, and it's just a fucking shot, because, like, what in the cinnamon toast fuck? Nobody expects this thing's been underwater for 60 hours, so. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, yeah. And it's a fucking tugboat. Yeah, yeah. So immediately... What's this guy's name again? Uh, which one? The Survivor? Yeah. Harrison O'Keen. O-K-E-N-E. Um, so immediately, Nico begins coordinating Harrison's rescue. He gives Harrison some water and is just, like, fucking eyeballing this dude because he doesn't believe that, like, this is... He's real. He's like, no like, way. We can hold hands if that would make. Sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and Harrison's even like, I know he was watching me because he couldn't believe that I was alive under here. Because um, I mean, you can't have hope. No in his situation. Fuck no, dude. You just, you just have. You know, oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. So they know they have to get Harrison out of this boat as soon as possible. Um, they can tell from the video feed that he is starting to suffer from carbon dioxide poisoning. Uh, yes. his, his eyes are glazing over. He's panting a lot, you know, and a lot of uh, a big thing about that is, is when you are in a situation like that, you don't die from lack of lack of oxygen. You die from carbon dioxide poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they obviously can't just give him a rebreather and be like, let's go to the surface, bud, because he's he's exhausted. He's suffering from dehydration. Like I said, carbon dioxide poisoning, and they're about 30 meters underwater, so he can't just pop straight up to the surface. He hasn't been wearing any protection that would protect him from the pressure of... Well, and his one is just skin fall off? Yeah, yeah. So um, so the crew sends down a hose. Oh, yeah, because he's... Well, is he at atmospheric pressure or no? No, he's at 100 he's... feet under the... Uh, if he were to go straight up from where they are, he would go into cardiac arrest. Um, because the air is compressed yeah, in there, too. Exactly, okay, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. um, so the Damn. crew... Dude, yeah, right? He, like, even if you found an exit, I was going to put that in the story of him yeah, finding a place but if you yourself. found an exit dude, you the bench is like so painful too yeah it's fuck awful that death. fuck getting the bins dude that sounds like the worst yeah. way to go yeah it's horrible and like imagine you find an exit and you start swimming to the surface and then that just happens and you're fucking dead uh um, yeah so the crew sends down a hose and they begin pumping air just over him not even just give it like they're just pumping air over him um so 
To avoid oversaturating him with air, they begin pumping a mixture of oxygen and helium in the room because helium is easier for weak lungs to handle. And in the video, you can hear the helium start to affect his voice of this him being rescued because uh, it's all on video. A uh, very weird, silly, yeah, hilarious yeah. thing. <laughs> so they fit Harrison into diving equipment and they guide him out of the tugboat and start making their ascent. Again, they're 100 feet down, so they can't just pop back up to the surface or Harrison can't. They end up placing him in a large, heavy-duty, pressurized diving bell. And then in that diving bell, he's brought back to the surface on the boat and he's moved from the diving bell into a decompression chamber where he's kept for two more days to readjust his body to the pressure uh, above so wire. So people, yeah. I mean, they go in and take care of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um... That'd be hilarious. They just there. don't. Yeah. No, there's, a, there's a dude... <laughs> like, Sorry. There was a dude named Gibbs who was, like, personally took it upon himself to, like... And, like, they obviously were going to take care of him regardless, but this guy was like, I am personally going to see to anything you need. Like, I'll bring you your medication, food, whatever you need. Just let me know. Nice. We'll take care of you. So, after two days in a decompression chamber, he's finally able to be reunited with his family. Harrison also would suffer from nightmares from the ordeal. Obviously, he was down there for so long and he was in survival mode that, like, he knew he was the only survivor, but, like, a part of him hoped that, like, somebody had gotten out just as the boat yeah, was capsizing. Yeah. But he learns that he is literally the only survivor and one body is never recovered. Um, he suffered from nightmares, obviously, and trauma, uh, survivor's guilt. He said he would get the sensation that his bed was sinking underwater and he would wake up screaming. Uh, which, you know, I can only fucking yes. imagine. Um, yes. So, Harrison. Understandable. Thank yeah, you for your right? So, Harrison initially keeps his promise to God that he would never return to the ocean. I knew that. I knew it. He sticks to cooking in restaurants on, you know, not going anywhere near the ocean. Telling anyone during a smoke break the most harrowing story dude. Dude. yeah ever. Uh, big bump skis dude big bump skis. like i don't talk yeah to Harrison yeah anymore um so as time goes on he leaves his he leaves behind his career as a cook and he gets his commercial diving certification he gets Dang. a job with the same company that employed the divers who had rescued him that's cool. Uh, Harrison ha now has his IMCA Class 2 commercial diver's license, and he can dive up to depths of 50 meters, which is deeper than the boat he was trapped in was. Uh, he loves his new career. That's a good way to conquer the fear, Yeah, I, I do, honestly. So he's, he loves his new job. Uh, he says, quote, I'm enjoying diving. It's life for me. It's fun. I believe the ocean is my world. I feel more comfortable, relaxed there. I like being in the environment. Uh, and that is a fucking better man than I am, because I would never is step foot into the ocean. Yes, he says uh, the guy who gave him the diploma was the dude who saved him. Yep, and they also reunited cool. on a diving job a couple years later after he got his certification. Um, they, uh, the guy that took care of him, Gibbs, they just so happened to get put on the same uh, diving expedition together and ran into each other, and it was like a nice reunion. That is crazy crazy bonkers dude fucking i cannot imagine like being trapped in a capsized boat for 60 hours in a small pocket of air just i like, don't it's like yeah that you just like i said you can't have hope no no it's like not well, at all. i guess i'm dying yeah slowly i guess this in the is most me. unimaginable horrific horror i mean at least you wouldn't like 
at least you're not dealing with the fright of drowning in water. You could lay on the mattress and carbon dioxide asphyxiate yourself. You're done. You're just you're gone. That's and true. That's well, actually, CO two buildup super painful and horrible. Uh, that's a horrible way to die. Yeah, that's it's, terrible. Yeah, you like basically feel like you never get enough of a full breath, and it's like painful. I would hope at that point I'm just so exhausted from not eating or having anything to drink that I'm already passed out. I'd be like, I think I'm gonna see if I can drown myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just real quick, gonna pop in and call it good. Uh, the guy yeah. had insane amount of fucking like. Fucking uh, wherewithal, unkillable, dude. There. Yeah, unkillable. When he's like, "Oh, all right, I gotta move and go yeah. get some stuff." I'm like, "Go get some stuff, like, dude." I think it's like one of those things of like most people when they listen to that story, they're like, "I don't know how he did that," but like, I feel like a por- he fu- oh, he found a soda. Right? That's it. Yeah, just a soda. I feel like a good portion. What uh, do you do? Uh, he doesn't have anywhere to set it. I know, right? <laughs> Just hold on to do? it, dog. Oh um, my god! I feel like I don't want to say a good portion of people, but like I feel like you know when you're put in a situation like that, your body just like you don't think you're not you're not making i mean you're making rational decisions like he was but you're not like oh god you know maybe once in a while that dread will set in but your body's like i don't think we yeah we have to survive now shut off every fucking emotion that doesn't do with survival everything Everything, we gotta we gotta live like uh, humans have a very uh, uh, a very high self-preservation drive when it when when it comes to that so I mean, we, obviously, we've covered it in a hell of stories uh, that we've covered on this season of people who just, like, you know, have been put in that situation and their bodies are, like, fucking kick it into overdrive. Let's go. Um, yeah. That is the survival uh, story of Harrison O'Keen. Horrifying. Crazy. I mean, really. Yeah. Horrifying. Truly horrifying. Uh, could not fucking imagine. Um... What's your uh, recommendation for the week, dude? I don't even. I don't have a recommendation. I have not ingested any new media or like. I, I mean, unless like Righteous Gemstones, go watch it. It's good. But like, I just don't. I haven't. I haven't. I've been reading. What the hell the are you Dark doing? For, reading the Dark Forest and fucking. Are you? Oh, how far into the second one are you now? Uh, I'm at. So I have gotten to the point. You know what the Dark Forest means. I don't think I'm there yet. I've gotten okay. to the point where Luoji is the part I left off. He's meeting with the meteorite guy. Um, he his family has gone into hibernation. Um, has gone into hibernation, and he is now like, okay, I have a plan. I'll stop fucking around. I have a plan. Yeah. this is what we're gonna do. Um, so that's where I'm at. Yeah, I like how it's like feels like a really random guy. Is yeah, charge, just this dude you know? that's like, oh, you're the you're savior. Like, <laughs> Fuck. All right. It's smart to make a random guy because then the Trisolarians are like, wait, that's true. And he what? he is the, <laughs> he is the only person that the Trisolarians have actively ordered a hit on from them to yeah. the ETO. And yeah. it's like, and and I mean, I get how you know uh, a highly intelligent species who have never ordered a, a hit on somebody, you know, twice. They had nobody at all, but like to try to kill this guy twice. And they, they know yeah. something. They know that he knows, like he is the key. To they it. know. I know. It's awesome. Yeah, you're yeah. That's, Cause you're like, it's like the most unassuming dude. Yeah. But yeah. They know that he's not. You're, you're like, like this, this guy spent the last five to six years just fucking off in the mountains in like Sweden or whatever, dude doing. And not, everyone like, just thinks he fucking yeah, did. Just yeah. dicked around. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So, I love it. 
It's yeah, good. Yeah, sick. I'm excited to see see what happens next. You have to keep me posted. Yeah, I got my, you. Uh, my recommendation for the week is the book I mentioned earlier, Assassin of Youth. It's by Alexandra Chasin or Chessin. I don't know. So C-H-A-S-I-N. Fair. It's all about Harry Anslinger. It's history. It's written kind of artsy style. I like it. It's really interesting. It's also very frustrating because Harry Anslinger really was yeah, a fucking despicable piece of garbage. Piece of shit. Hell yeah. He through and through. He never stopped. Never stopped. You know? At least at least he's got that. He never stopped. We being still a piece of are shit. dealing with his the, yeah, shit. His shit. His All shit specifically. Later. Yeah. And that's it. Sweet. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Be safe. Be kind to others. Don't give a rate review. Subscribe. Be kind to yourself. Love you so much. Bye bye.